0: SIN acknowledges and pays respects to the owners of the land, the house of SIN and the studio stands, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. SIN also acknowledges and pays respects to the elders and traditional owners of the land our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. A bloodbath from home, it is Sydney Assouli who are the Australia. England's highest quality title race of all time, the Premier Dog Dog, again in the Premier League, Manchester City. For all your sporting news, and reviews and previews, this is The Sports Desk. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Sports Desk here on SIN. I'm Tom Parry. It is a Wednesday morning. I'm flying solo today, so please bear with me. But we've still got a lot to unpack on today's show, including Sheffield Shield, the WNBL Finals, and also the recent A-League news regarding Perth Glory and, of course, the latest AFL news as well. But what we're going to do first of all today is get into the Women's Cricket World Cup, which is happening right now around Australia. And uh, just on Monday, we had two games. They were between Australia and Sri Lanka and India and Bangladesh, who are all teams in Group A. Now, let's head to the Australian game first of all. So it was won by the Aussies. With three balls to spare in their innings, they scored 5 for 123 to Sri Lanka's 6 for 122. Now, that game took place at the Wacker in Perth, which is typically like a bat a batter's wicket, so a bat-friendly wicket. But, yeah, pretty low scoring on this occasion. Right, so Sri Lanka batted first. Their top scorer was Shamari Atapatu. She made 50. She was uh, bowled by Nicola Carey. And the next highest... Run scorer there was Anushka Sanjuani, who made 25 off 31. Now, in terms of the bowlers, it was Nicola Carey who was to stand out. She got two wickets off 18 runs in three overs, followed by Molly Strano, who also got two wickets. She went for 23 runs off four overs. She's an absolutely phenomenal talent there. Hopefully, we'll be seeing more of her fire up as the World Cup progresses. So, the Australians went in the bat. They had a top-order collapse. Alyssa Healy was bowled for a duck. Then Beth Mooney went for six. Ash Gardner went for two. Then we had Meg Lanning and Rachel Haynes come to the crease. Rachel Haynes, vice-captain, she top-scored with 60 off 47. So, yeah, gave the men a run for her money there. And the next high score was Meg Lanning, who scored the winning runs and got 41 not. Out and as I mentioned, the Australians they won that in the last over with three balls to spare. Final score five for one twenty-three. And in terms of the bowlers for Sri Lanka, it was Probadani, who got two wickets for seventeen runs, followed by uh, Cyril Wadena who got two for twenty. So they both did pretty well there, we have to say. And the second game which took place at the Wacker. This took place in the morning rather than the evening session. Was between India and Bangladesh. India have just been phenomenal this tournament so far. They convincingly beat Australia in the first game in Sydney. The top scorer there was Shafali Verma, who scored thirty nine, followed by Jamama Rodriguez with thirty four. They finished their innings with six for one forty two and Bangladesh in reply could only manage one hundred and twenty four. They lost Eight wickets there. So it's uh, looking really good for India and Australia, it's not looking as good, I'm sorry to say. And in order for them to make the semi finals, they will need to win all of their remaining games against all the teams. And India will need to lose at least one game for Australia to at least be in the chance to make the final, which is happening March 8th, Saturday, March 8th, in Melbourne at the MCG. Now, as for the games which are about to happen, we've got two games happening today at Manuka Oval in Canberra. We have England and Thailand in Group B who haven't won a game yet. They'll be playing from 3pm and at 7pm it will be the West Indies who are the top of their group at the moment playing against Pakistan who have not played a game yet in Group B, which is interesting. And then on the... Thursday, we'll have India heading or going up against New Zealand at the Junction Oval in Melbourne. That's in St Kilda, so I've said it before. I need to say it again. Take the kids out of school. They can miss one day of school to watch the cricket, believe me. And following that at 7pm in Canberra rather than Melbourne is Australia up against Bangladesh. It should be a pretty convincing win for Australia there. I don't see Bangladesh challenging them at all in that game. And, of course, we'll have more on the upcoming games on Friday's show as well. So that is just about everything that's happening in Women's T20 World Cup at the moment. I'll just go into the standings very quickly. So as of present, India is on top of Group A, two wins from two matches. Then it's uh, New Zealand, who've had a... Well, one game, just the one game... Uh, Australia have played two games, won theirs against Sri Lanka, lost theirs against India, so they're third on the table at the moment, followed by Sri Lanka with two losses and Bangladesh with their one loss. As for Team B, the West Indies are on top. They've only played the one game so far, but they did win quite convincingly, so that's why they're on top there. South Africa have also won their only game. As I mentioned, Pakistan haven't played, but they're currently third on the ladder. Then, following that, we have England and Thailand is on the bottom there. So, that is everything that's happening in Women's T20 World Cup at the moment. We'll have some more cricket news for you in just a moment. Sin Media, where young people run the show. You are listening to The Sports Desk on a Wednesday with myself, Tom Parry. I am flying solo today, but that doesn't matter to anybody because we've got plenty to talk about, including the domestic cricket competition, which is happening right now across Australia. So these games started on Monday, and they'll be, they're will be four-day games, so it will be heading through until tomorrow, Thursday, which is really interesting. I can't recall a time when domestic matches ever took place during the week, at least not these four-day matches, but apparently that's what they're doing now. It's a real shame, though, because if they want to get people in to see these games and people to watch it on TV, then they're not really doing themselves any favours here, Cricket Australia. But nonetheless, these games, they are on during the week. So, you know, if you've got the day off, then, you know, may as well spend the day at the Cricket, I guess. So, let's have a look at what games are happening right now. At the Gabba in Brisbane, we've got the Victorians up against Queensland. And this is a huge surprise, actually. Victoria's in front at the moment. They scored... 330 in the first innings, they declared, with one wicket remaining. The top scorer was Seb Gotch, with 102 not out, followed by Matt Short, who was agonisingly, well, short, of a century. With 98, he was bowled uh, LBW by Mr Xavier Bartlett of Queensland. And following on from that, Travis Dean was the next high scorer, the opener, who scored 34. And in terms of the Queensland bowlers, the pick was Bartlett, who scored 5-4-85 with a run rate of about four and over, which is excellent. Really excellent figures for a four-day game. So Queensland were then sent into bat. They were all out for 184. The highest score there was 50 by Lachlan Pfeffer. And uh, next was Sam Heaslett with 34. Xavier Bartlett scored 12, not out at the end of the inning, so good on him, and the pick of the Victorian bowlers was Will Sutherland, who got five wickets again for 42 runs, with an economy rate of 2.3 and over, which are excellent figures there. So, Victoria will be resuming the batting in about an hour or so, uh, and... At the moment, Travis Dean and Matt Short are at the crease. Dean is on 34, not out. Matt Short's on 15, not out. Uh, Cameron Gannon has taken all three wickets for Queensland so far uh, in just six overs with an economy of 1.3 and over. So just eight runs off his um, innings so far there. Young Cameron Gannon. Well done there. Now, let's move on to the second game, which is happening. It's between New South Wales and South Australia at the SCG. New South Wales, in their first innings, made 373. The top scorer was the opener, Daniel Hughes, with 103, followed by Matthew Gilkes, with 83. Jack Edwards finished the innings with 48, not out. The pick of the bowlers there was Joe Menny who got six wickets for 103 runs with an economy rate of 3 and over. South Australia are currently 6 for 135. Uh, Harry Nielsen and Chad Sayers will be facing the ball when play resumes this morning. Top scorer so far has been Callum Ferguson with 44. And the best of the bowlers for New South Wales has been Trent Copeland, who some people might recognise as the face of Channel 7's uh, touchscreen. He's got three wickets to 38 runs, economy of two and over. I'm really amazed that he's not playing cricket for Australia at the moment. But then again, we've got a really strong pace attack in uh, James Pattinson, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood. So, yeah, it's really not surprising that he's not part of the team, but it's also quite astonishing that he isn't either. So, yeah, Trent Copeland's... He is hoping he gets a place on the test team again soon, but he is getting old, so that might not be a possibility. And the final game that is happening is between the Tasmanian Tigers and the Western Australians. That is in Bellary Oval at Hobart. WA were all out for 371. Cameron Green, the top scorer, with 158, not out, followed by Josh Phillippe with 63. The best of the bowlers there for Tasmania was Sam Rainbird, who scored, or rather got figures of five wickets for 77, economy of two and a half and over. That is excellent there. And Tasmania, when uh, they were sent into bat, they're currently five out for 188. Ben McDermott and Bo Webster at the The crease, Um, everyone's scored double figures so far, so they haven't done too badly. And Charlie Wackham scored 57. He was uh, bowled leg before a wicket by David Moody. And the best of the bowlers is uh, Joel Paris for the Western Australians. He's got two for 27 after 16 overs, which gives him a run rate of 1.7 and over. And David Moody's also scored two wickets. His run rate is uh, about four and over at the moment. So that's where the Sheffield Shield games are currently at. Uh, And just a reminder of the standings, New South Wales is still on top of the ladder. Uh, Victoria, it looks like they're going to win against Queensland. So if they do win, um, they'll be leaping up a spot on the ladder above uh, the South Australians, so that will put them on fourth, so that it puts them out of contention for the major prize, the Shield, at this point, but at least they can go in with a fighting chance. Sin Media. Where young people, people run the show. Now it's time to talk about basketball, in particular the WNBL, that is the Women's National Basketball League, and we've reached the semi-finals playoff stage of the competition and this is what has happened so far. We've had uh, the top four teams play off, which which were as follows. Uh, we had team number one, the Southern Flyers, up against team number four, the Adelaide Lightning, and we also had team number two, the Canberra Capitals, up against team number three, the Melbourne Boomers. So they were, again, they were the top, tour, top two, four finishes at uh, at the end of the season on the WNBL ladder. The first playoff game was between 2 and 3. The Canberra Capitals at uh, AIS Arena, which is in Canberra, they won convincingly 84-70. to 70. Next up, it was uh, the Southside Flyers against Adelaide Lightning at Dandenong, their home stadium. They won by 3 points, 68-65. And after that, it was uh, time for Adelaide to face off against Southside. They won by... Uh, so sorry, the Southside who won against Adelaide by three points. So that means they go straight through to the final, the WNBL final. Uh, and then after that game, it was the Melbourne Boomers, Melbourne Boomers, at home against the Canberra Capitals. They won by twelve points, eighty-eight to seventy-six. And because they won all, that means that the Capitals will be playing against the Boomers tonight at. AIS Arena in Canberra, the winner of that game goes straight through to the final game, which is happening, or or beginning rather, on the 1st of of March, which is uh, this Sunday at Dandelion Stadium, and the winner of the uh, game between the Capitals and the Boomers will then host a game at home against the Flyers before um, it goes back to the Flyers' home game for the final of the three-game series. That is, of course, unless Southside win the first two games and then they will be crowned the WNBL champions. So, yeah, this is rather interesting. I wasn't aware that the WNBL did the playoff system that they did in the US with the NBA, but apparently they do. Now, I did want to mention just quickly regarding the WNBL, my team, the Bendigo Spirit from my hometown, they finished seventh on the ladder this year. They have won the championship in the past, so they're by no means like the minnows of the competition, but they didn't do so well this year. Uh, Lost 16 of their games, only won five of them, but they did at least uh, get one place higher than their old rivals the townsville fire who also lost 16 games and won six games but on percentage they fared worse than the spirit did so yeah and of course we want to hear from you as well whether or not you're excited by the women's basketball whether you're keen to see any of the games whether you will be seeing Long or Southside rather play playoff in dandelion and yeah get in touch with all of our social media channels and uh, We'll be sure to give you a shout-out on the show. So that's all we have there for the WNBL for now. Um, I'd like to wish the Boomers best of luck in their game tonight against the Canberra Capitals. Sin, on your radio, on your TV and online at syn.org.au. You are listening to the Sports Desk with myself, Tom Parry, and we've covered cricket so far this morning as well as the WNBL, and now it's time to move on to some pretty huge A-League news, which happened in the past couple of days, and it's regarding Perth Glory, the West Coast-based soccer team. There was a plan to sell the team to a London-based cryptocurrency firm. Now, this is according to ABC News, and the deal has fallen through. This is quite extraordinary. So they couldn't, uh, I don't know what, um, why it fell through exactly, What uh, whether there was a disagreement, whether they didn't have enough money, whether they felt uncomfortable having these investors as their owners. But um, it, it looks like, yeah, it's not going ahead. And actually reading the reaction online, this is... Uh, it's actually a lot of good news. The Glory fans, they were against this. They did not want this sale to go ahead. A uh, lot of red flags, they were saying. But uh, now that it has fallen through, Perf Glory and its fans, uh, well, its fans, rather, are actually pretty happy. They say that, yeah, it, it means that um, it's out of the hands of this group who, you know, they weren't very sure about. But, yeah. Um, With that said, the team management, including uh, Tony Sage, the owner, he says it's um, quite sad that it has fallen through because it would have brought the club better opportunities and it would have been a better place to compete financially with other A-League clubs. Now, this is an important note because there are a lot of sporting teams that really struggle in Perth, I know that many, many years back they tried establishing a rugby league team that didn't work out. Of course, there was the Western Force, which was part of the Super Rugby League. That's the rugby union competition, and they pulled out, and they're now part of a separate competition. Um, I know that the Western Australian cricket teams are doing well. The Warriors and the Perth Scorchers—they uh, games. Well, the Perth Scorchers' games—they just sell out every match which is wonderful. Perth Glory, from what I heard, they were doing okay financially, and in terms of uh, their performance, they're doing okay this season. They're currently second on the ladder behind Sydney FC, who are just untouchable at the moment. Uh, So far, Perth played 17 games, won eight of them, drawn six of them, and lost three of them, which does put them second on the ladder. And From what I've heard as well, the crowds at all the Perth games are pretty solid as well. So I'm really unsure as to, uh, yeah, where this leaves the club financially right now. Do they um, go to another investor potentially or look for another person to make the sale? Or will the club just be left to wither away? I sincerely hope not because Perth, it doesn't have... A lot of, uh, as I said, a lot of success with their sporting teams, but um, he's hoping that they can uh, achieve success in this field because, yeah, the team's doing well, they're winning games, they're bringing fans to the stadium, but uh, obviously it's just not enough for it at the moment. Well, since we're on A-League at the moment, we might just cover where everybody is standing here on the A-League ladder. So, we've got Sydney and Perth up top. That's followed by Melbourne FC in Melbourne City, that is. In third, the Wellington Phoenix in fourth. Then it goes Adelaide United, Brisbane Raw, Western United, which, of course, is the new... Uh, Melbourne based team, then we've got the Western Sydney Wanderers, Melbourne victory on ninth with just four wins, Newcastle Jets, and then down the bottom it is the Central Coast Mariners who have lost their past five games. So it's not looking look good for them at the moment. I did mention Melbourne City just before. Now they were originally known, some of you might remember, as Melbourne Heart, and then they entered into an agreement with Manchester City to become Melbourne City, So that's an example of a team who has been bought out and is actually doing rather well for themselves. So, But then again, this is a sporting club we're talking about. It's not some foreign uh, cryptocurrency firm. And I think that is the other issue for some people because cryptocurrency, they a lot of people don't see it as a real investment. It's very much an up and down commodity. It's not Um, stagnant like say gold or oil is. It has a lot of rises and falls. It's very unstable. So theoretically, if such a group were to buy out a football club, it wouldn't necessarily give them the financial stability that say a regular investment firm would. So I think that might have played a part in the decision not to go ahead with the deal. So that news again, perfect Glory has not been sold to a London-based cryptocurrency firm and is currently searching for a new purchaser. Sin, where young people run the show. So far on the Sports Desk this morning, we've covered cricket, A-League and the WNBL, but now it's time to move on to the latest AFL news. And this is regarding the State of Origin match, which is happening this Friday night. And just yesterday, the team numbers were revealed for both the Victorians and the All-Stars, and there was a little bit of controversy because the number four number was is worn by four of the players who were selected for the Victorian team, and they are uh, Marcus Bontempelli of the Western Bulldogs, Uh, Dustin Martin of the Richmond Tigers, Sean Higgins of the Kangaroos, and Jay Gresham of St. Kilda. And it looks like Dustin Martin, the Brownlow medalist, and Norm Smith medalist will be wearing the number four jersey when they take to the field this Friday night. It's not the only uh, clash for numbers that they had in the team's. Uh, Josh Kelly, Todd Goldstein, and Steele Sidebottom, uh, who all wore the number 22 on their jersey. They um, obviously had to have a little battle for that. And in the All-Stars game, it was Patrick Cripps and Lockie Neal who both wore number nine and both had to uh, challenge each other for it. Now, these are the uh, official numbers for the teams. Now, remember, Daniel and I revealed who played in the Victorian and All-Stars teams last week. But now... We get to know where their numbers or what numbers they'll be wearing. So, f- from the top, we've got number one, Jade Gresham. So, that- that's not too bad for him. He goes from four to one. Sean Higgins is two. Andrew Gaff is three. Dustin Martin, four. Toby Green, five. Number six, Lockie Wickfield. Marcus Pontepelli got seven. Robbie Gray, 8, Tred Cochin, 9, which is what he already wears for the Tigers, Scott Pendlebury, 10, 11, Jack McRae, 12, Tom Papley, 13, Stefan Martin, 14, Basha Hooley of the Tigers, 18, Jeremy Cameron, 19, Tom Lynch, 20, Nick Haynes, 21, James Sicily, 22, got Todd Goldstein, so he got that number in the end, 23, Josh Kelly, 24, Steelside Sidebottom, 30, Darcy Moore. 31, Rory Sloan. 35, Patrick Dangerfield. 42, Adam Said, 44, Jake Lloyd. And number 46, last of it but not least for the Victorians, is Mark Blicavs. So that was the Victorians. Now let's move on to the All-Stars and their numbers. Number 1 is Michael Walters. Walters, I should say. Number 2 is Zach Tui. Number 3, Stephen Coniglio. 4, Brody Grundy. 5, Brad Shepard. 6, Elliot Yeo. 7. Nat Fife. 8. Jack Rewalt. 9. Patrick Cripps. Nine, uh, 10. Rather, Shane Edwards. 12. Callum Mills. 13. Taylor Walker. 14. Lockie Weller. 15. Dane Zorko. 16. Isaac Smith. 17. Lockie Neal. 18. Scott Lysett. 22. Luke Bruce, 23. Charlie Cameron. 26. Tom Hawkins. 29. Rory Laird. 31. Andrew, Harris Andrews, I should say. Not Andrew Harris. Harris Andrews. 32, Bradley Hill, 33, Brady Smith, 38, Jeremy Howe, 39, Neville Jetta, and 40 is Jason Johannesson. That is the All-Stars and the Victorians and their complete numbers there for the State of Origin game, which is happening this Friday night at Dockland Stadium. It will be a doubleheader. There will be the Collingwood v. Melbourne AFLW game, which is taking place at 535 and then, of course, the this game will start uh, not long after that. And apparently, according to the AFL, there is still tickets available. So, if you wanted to um, buy tickets to the game, you still can. Now, uh, just briefly, we'll touch upon some of the latest AFLW news that's happening. Um, there were uh, sanctions issued by the Match Review Panel yesterday, and they are as follows. We've got Kate Shearlaw of St Kilda, who has accepted a uh, reprimand for striking uh, Eden Zanker of Melbourne. Next, um, Emily Bates of the Brisbane Lions. She's also accepted her reprimand for engaging in rough conduct against Lee Kessler of the Gold Coast Suns. Alicia Eva. she's accepted her reprimand for playing uh, for rough conduct against Ashley Atkins at West Coast. Um, Alicia, of course, plays for the GWS Giants. And finally, Dana Cox at the Adelaide Crows who has accepted her reprimand for engaging in rough conduct against Danielle Higgins. So that's everything that's happening in the world of AFL and AFLW right now. And that is just about all we have time for here on the Sports Desk this morning. Uh, Thank you very much for tuning in to listen to me this morning. Uh, Hopefully Jacob will be back Next week, and we'll be able to talk about everything that's happening in the world of cricket, football, and much, much more.